Welcome to the Data Beast show. We also have a free newsletter, so do check it out on databeast.community. So today, we've got Matthew Brandt, who is a data content creator and an analytics expert. And Matthew is here to help us understand how to put data to work or how to operationalize data. So, hey, Matthew, thanks for joining. Hi, Arpit. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Matthew, first question for you. What does operational analytics entail? And isn't it just like a fancy term for putting data to work? I think that operational analytics or, or data ops, as it's often called, is the natural consequence of day-to-day -day business activities where different teams, different stakeholders have requirements because they're working on different types of problems. And in the past, those stakeholders didn't really use data as part of those day-to-day -day problems because those resulted in a lot of ad hoc requests for teams and the teams were always inundated with that. They never had the capacity to fill that. And so data ops was born as an entire need and discipline out of that where people in the business are fed information automatically with a lot of automation behind it so that they can help uh, solve their problems that they're working on day to day. Cool, that makes sense. So what are the prerequisites in terms of people, processes, and tools for companies to operationalize their data? So I think the most important thing to remember is a lot of vendors or consultants in the industry are going to try and sell you the modern data stack or the new modern data stack or whatever it's called today. And it's important to remember that tools do not maketh the purpose, right? We are basically craftsmen uh, or craftspeople in our trade, and it's up to us to decide what the best tools at our disposal are. The most important thing to do from the beginning is understand the problems you're trying to address. If you don't understand those problems, you're just going to come in gunslinging and you'll just be shooting wild and you won't actually hit your target. It'll be, if you do hit the target, it's going to be a lucky shot and not planned. Yeah. So, so you're saying that one can indeed operationalize data without a fancy four layer data stack, correct? That's correct. I mean, obviously, once you've established the main purposes of what you're trying to achieve in data ops, um, so like main use cases or like the biggest problems that you're working on, then you're going to go and you're going to look at the people behind that. You're going to look at how does how do you interact with people in the business? You know, does someone from marketing, do they create a ticket? And then does that go into a pool? How is that ticket evaluated against other things? Um, who's in charge of the implementation? And then, of course, you're going to need to go into uh, implementation of, of data flows. There's going to be data that needs to flow from somewhere to somewhere. Maybe data needs to be brought together into a kind of data warehouse. All of those things are necessary, but they don't necessitate having some fancy, huge four-layer uh, data stack, no. Cool. Um, and since you mentioned data warehouse, uh, what are your thoughts on you know the data warehouse being a prerequisite? Is it like non-negotiable to have a data warehouse if you want to like operationalize your data? I think long-term it's a prerequisite, yes. But for companies just starting out, it's certainly feasible to say, oh, I'm going to take my Salesforce data and I'm going to push it into Intercom so that I get the right people getting the right message at the right time. There's nothing wrong with that. And that is data ops because you're helping solve a day-to-day -day issue that the business has. You know, No fancy analytics, no fancy machine learning, no four-layer data stack involved, just one sync between two different tools. Yeah, absolutely. That that resonates a lot. Um, so let's get into some common use cases. Uh, you mentioned marketing. So let's start with marketing. How can data be leveraged by marketing for, say, demand generation? 
On the demand gen side, one of the really common things I've seen is 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 ad targeting, right? Because the the company has a lot of campaigns running. Those campaigns are based on what the marketing team's initiatives are and ideas are, but they need to be fed real world data. So you're going to pull data from your ad uh, tools, maybe that Google ads, LinkedIn, et cetera. You're going to pull data down. You're going to look at the performance of those ads and you're going to automatically adjust the bidding and rules that you have and campaigns and keywords that you have based on the data that's flowing. And we're not talking about adjustments that are being done in the tool itself. We're talking about pulling down that data, applying business logic, your own rules that you want, merging it with other data sources, and then pushing it back to those tools and saying, yes, I only want to retarget when this and this condition is fulfilled. That's something you can only do if you actually implement those flows yourself. Right, right. And how can operationalizing data help sales teams in their day-to-day? So sales, I've really seen uh, a lot of different things. Uh, One of the things that I've implemented in the past was called Slow Turtle. Slow Turtle was a, uh, a project for helping to prevent churn. Essentially, it was, um, you know, the sales team was responsible for end-to-end process of the customer. That meant they were responsible for both the acquisition part as well as customers who were considering to downgrade or change their subscription. And so what we had is we had a process that fired off an alert into a Slack channel when a customer was actively on the billing page and looking at trying to change their subscription. And sales would proactively reach out to them and ask them you know, how they're doing, if they wanted to adjust their subscription. And customers basically just felt, oh, that's crazy timing. <laughs> How you know? That's great that you call me right now, um, but that only happens once, so it was never an issue for them. Very cool. I'm actually curious to know how long back did you implement this project? Because now, essentially, this is being productized, right? As product-led sales tools. Yeah, I implemented this almost four years ago. Um, this was done with uh, we used Google Tag Manager to capture what was happening in the product and we fired those alerts directly and they used the webhook from Slack to make alerts in the Slack channel. Yeah, nice, very cool. Um, and I know you just mentioned churn, but how else can you know data be used to prevent churn? Yeah, so um, in terms of churn itself, so I mean, those are obviously, that's one use case around uh, around how customers are you know, considering changing their subscription, but there's something that's a lot more proactive as well. Like before customers even think of changing their subscription or canceling, obviously there are a lot of pre-indicators that you have. You know, there you have, uh, for example, the financial history of the customer, you know how well they've paid their invoices on time, you know what their, um, what their business is like, um, you know what their usage of the product is like. And what I've done in the past is very often we've used product consumption habits, we've used basically a framework of, okay, what is the the number, the, the, the top three goals that someone should be achieving when using the product? Are they achieving those goals regularly? Yes or no. And then correlating that with churn rates. And then, you know, you basically end up with a sort of risk assessment and you can say, oh, okay. So customers who regularly meet those goals, they tend to not churn uh, with a lower percentage, but customers who are failing one of the goals consistently over the last three months, they are more at risk. And you can push that information to directly to something like Zendesk um, so that customer uh, representatives, when they're doing, you know, for example, regular calling activities, they can call specifically those customers and ask them if they have problems. Cool, yeah, uh, that's very cool. So let's talk about growth teams. Uh, how can growth teams go beyond consuming insights and using data in their day-to-day to 
engage and activate uh, users and customers. So growth teams typically operate using a, a number of frameworks. One of the really common ones is the pirate framework. And as part of the pirate framework, you need to obviously activate the, the, the lead that you're bringing in, right? Whether it's in B2C or B2B, it's the same. And part of that activation means understanding what the needs of the specific users are. So one of the things that I've worked on in the past is using actual demographical data um, that we get from other sources and tying that into the product usage data. So we could see, for example, okay, this lead comes in, they're probably uh, between 30 and 40, they are from this and this location, okay, they are probably working in this type of industry, if we can pull any kind of social data for them. Um, then we understand their needs a little bit more, and then they can funnel them into different types of messaging. So they can show them uh, in-app messaging in the product that's slightly different for their use case. You know, if they come from the pharmaceutical industry, they're going to use the product in a different way than they're, when they're coming from the finance industry, right? That's, that's the point around that. 100%. Uh, that's precisely what uh, we did uh, during my time at Integromat. So um, that, that again resonates a lot. Well, uh, it's been great, Matthew. Last question for you. What's the one piece of advice you have for companies that are early on their, on their, on their data journey? Please, if you're in that position that you're in a company like that, that, is, that doesn't have an established data function yet, or is just getting started, or you're in a startup, please focus on the people and the processes. Do not focus on the tool set. Do not focus on the tool stack. Every single tool exists for what you want to do. Everything exists today for 99.9% .9 of the use cases. So this isn't a question of what tool can do the job or if a tool can do the job. This is a question of what tool can do the job for you, but you can only do that once you've established what the job actually is. You need to really solidify the processes that you have and you need to really hire the right people who have that mindset in understanding the problem before moving forward on you know huge contracts with with vendors because once you've gone down that route it's not so easy to just flip vendors anymore that's unfortunately a reality is that the lock-in is real help bridge the gap between data people and non-data people join us on databeats.community